Blessed Lord's Day. Good to see each and every one of you, and thank God he brought you out. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask you to open them, please, or if you're looking at it on one of those electronic gadgets, that's okay too. 1 Kings chapter 17, if you will, please open to verse number 1. I've entitled this message this morning, Elijah, the man of faith. Elijah, the man of faith. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 1. Would you stand with us in reverence to the reading of the scriptures when you found your place, please? The Bible says, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence. And turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after that a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of God's word and let God's people say praise the Lord. Then you can be seated. When we read about the life of this man, Elijah, this great prophet of God and what he did, we, I know I do, I ask myself, how did he do that? How did he do the things that he did? Jewish rabbis believed for years that Elijah was not a man, but he was an angel or some supernatural something that enabled him and gave him the capability of doing the miracles that he did and giving him the fire that he had. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament, in the book of James, chapter number 5 and verse number 17, that Elijah was in fact a man. And not only was he a man, but he was a man that was subject to like passions just as we are. So when we look at the life of Elijah and we see the things that God did through him and when we understand that he is just a man, a person if you will, just like you and I, we wonder how he did it. Now if he was an angel or some supernatural being, we could probably just read it and move forward. But since we do understand that the fact that he is a man, and that he accomplished the things that he did, we want to get a hold of that and maybe grab that key 
and somehow or another have the Lord use us in the same ways that he did this man, Elijah. And as we study, and we're going to study this book this morning, as I said, I've titled this message, Elijah the Man of Faith. We go back and we are going to try to understand a little bit of the situation and the culture, the world in which Elijah was brought on the scene to. And, it, and he did. He just happened. He just come out of nowhere. The Bible introduces him as Elijah the Tishbite. You don't hear anything or the Bible doesn't tell us anything about the background of the man, but he just came on the scene. If you read the verses prior to chapter 17, in, verse six, in chapter 16, from about verse 32 from about to about verse 34, you're going to be introduced to one of the worst, if you will, idolatrous, depraved king that Israel had ever known to this time. His name is Ahab. Ahab did some things in his time that went heads and shoulders above and evil above any king before him. And it, and it gives us some of those things that he did. The first thing that he did is he married outside of the Jewish household, outside of the Jewish nation. He married a woman by the name of Jezebel. And everybody's heard about Jezebel, right? She was a Zidonian. Her father was a priest of the Zidonians. Ahab marries her in a direct, again, a direct disobedience to the word of God. Not only did Ahab marry outside the house of Israel, but he also went against the word of God and he started building groves, building altars unto idols in his day. And not only that, in his day, the walls of Jerusalem were built again. Now, if you remember, and you can go back and read this in Joshua chapter number 6, Joshua put a curse on the man who built again Jericho. And it happened just as God said that it would. The man who Ahab put over the construction of Jericho, he lost his Oldest son and his youngest son, just as it happened in Joshua chapter number 6 that God proclaimed it would be. And as we think about the time in which Elijah was brought onto the scene by God, and we look around about us in the culture and the world that we live in today, we understand that it's not a lot different the day in which we live. Some of the things that went on in that particular day and time are happening today before our very eyes. Now, I'm not talking about outside the church. Men and women outside of the church, in the world, lost in their trespasses and sin. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking in the very household of God, people are falling to the same Things that they did in the days of Elijah. What are some of those things? I'm glad you ask. One of those things that they done that people do today 
is they worship a God of their own imagination. It's a God not in reference to, that you can't relate to, that comes from the Word of God, from this Bible. It is a God in which they sit on their mantle or they sit in their trunks or whatever they want to do and pull it out whenever they want to. It's a God in whom they've dreamed up in their own mind and in their own head, this is my God, this is who I'll worship. It's not the God of this Bible. That's happening in churches today. People worship gods in whom they've dreamed up. Another thing that was happening in Elijah's day that's happening in our time today, and again, I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church that people are doing. Another thing, it's just a lack of concern for the truth. It's a lack of concern. In the average church in our day and time, people are not concerned about the truth of the gospel. Brother Gerald brought a very excellent, I thought, lesson this morning about the truth of the gospel. People are not concerned about the truth of the gospel. They want a real good, feel good, Sunday morning social club in which they can come in, hear a sermonette, go outside, go home, and do whatever they want. People don't take the time to be alone with God, to search the scriptures, to find out and be concerned about what is truth. And if it's in your church, are you teaching truth? It's the same thing that happened in Elijah's day. Another thing that that happened in Elijah's day that I'm so sorry to say happens in our day and time today is the pagan practices that people bring into the very church of God. Knowing full well that what they're doing is wrong. And there's not a shred of scriptural evidence to support what they do. But yet they say, well, it's a tradition. Traditions are okay, folks, as long as they're scriptural. As long as you can give me a thus saith the Lord, a chapter, book, and verse for what you do, it's fine. I'll go with it. No problem. But if you can't find it in this book, if you can't find where God said do it or not do it, leave it alone. They were doing that in Elijah's day. They do it in our day. People are more interested in what appeals to the world than what's pleasing to God. Let me say that again. I don't think you heard me. People are more interested in what appeals to the world than what is pleasing to God. We look around at the world systems and what the world likes, and we say, you know, if we start doing this, we're going to build the church. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think somewhere in this blessed old book, Some word that I've read that we're not to be conformed to this world. I think I've read somewhere in this blessed old book that's inspired, that's holy, that's God-breathed, that's inerrant, that it means that it's perfect. 
that we should be out there trying to conform the world to us, that we are peculiar people, a holy nation, a generation, a priest in this world. No, no, no. That don't build noses and nickels, preacher. Listen to me, and I mean this in the most humble way that I can say it. I'd rather see this church poor than Job's turkey than to be built upon untruths and be full. Did you hear what I said? I guess that went my raise, didn't it? I might have got Todd in trouble too, you reckon? He can, he can, he can say, oh, I didn't have nothing to do with that guy. But we are to be in this world, not of this world. That's what Elijah was. He was a burning zeal, jealousy for God, and he come on the scenes, and he had one thing in mind, and that's the same thing that each and every one of us in the churches today need to be concerned about, and that's the glory of God, the honor of our Lord. As we long to see, and I do, I long to see an outpouring of God's spirit of refreshing, revival in our land today. We're not going to see it until we become men and women of faith. Men and women of faith. I want to give you some things this morning, how God grew this man Elijah's faith. And hopefully we can get a hold of that key this morning. And if we're not already, I pray that you are, but if we're not already men and women of faith, that this would be the day that we'd see a revival in your heart, that God would draw you near to him and show us how we're wrong. And with a spirit of humility, we would come forth and say, Lord, change me. Change me. Four times in the Bible, it's mentioned, the just live by faith. We live by faith. It's found in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. It's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It's found in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. And it's also found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Four times. So that could show us something about the importance of living by faith. And we truly want to see things happen in our church, in our community, in, in our country. But until we become men and women of faith, we're not going to see anything. Number one. What you must understand, and I'm talking about how God worked in this man Elijah's life, and hopefully in our lives. The first thing we need to understand about the faith of this man Elijah is that faith does not come in full bloom. It's not that you're saved, you're born again, you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're called from death unto life. Whatever term you want to use for salvation, it's not that that very moment, that that very next day, that you have faith full grown, full and bloom. No, you're a child. You're learning. You're growing. 
It's like a fruit tree. Uh, Ron, I don't go out, you know, and, and plant a seed and walk out the next day and expect to find apples on it. No, it takes time, doesn't it? So does your faith. You must realize that the kind of faith that we're talking about this morning, it comes in stages. It's a step-by-step process that we go through. That our faith has to grow. Sometimes we get discouraged. I do. Don't you? Sometimes I get discouraged when my, my, my faith is weak. There's three things that God did to mature Elijah's faith. The first thing that he did is, as I said, faith doesn't come to us full bloom. It comes step by step. Look at verses 1, 2, and 3. 1 Kings chapter 17. Listen, listen to what he says. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of, uh, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence. And he turned eastward, and he hid himself uh, by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. All we know, all he knew, all Elijah knew was God gave him a message. He went, he did what God said, and after he delivered his message, which didn't take very long, God says, go hide yourself. Go by the brook, Cherith, and stay there until I tell you to move. Step by step. You see, sometimes we, we, we get a little bit ahead. God says for us to stay. Oh, no, 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 i got to move. i got to be doing something. Some of the worst mistakes I've made in my Christian life is not listening to the voice of God telling me to stay where I needed to stay. And it's that way with you. we got to learn to listen and be obedient unto the voice of God, and when he tells you to do something, do it. But when he tells you to stay where you're at, stay. Wait. Doesn't it say somewhere in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, that they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. Sometimes the most blessed thing we can do is wait. Wait upon the Lord, and that's what Elijah learned. You move a step when God tells you to move, and you wait when God tells you to wait. Psalms 119, verse 105, says these words. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. That little word lamp there. How many of you in here remember the show Little House on the Prairie? Y'all have all watched Little House on the Prairie, haven't you? Well, you know how sometimes that they'll light that little candle or that little colo lamp there and it just lights up the whole room? That ain't real. It barely gives you enough light to read by. And that's what the Lord is saying here. He says, thy word is a lamp and a light. You know what that means? It gives you enough light to make a step. When you make that step, well, there's some more light. You take another step. That's what he means. When God gives you the light, you take a step. 
But until God gives you the light, you stay where you're at. But you know what I found? If you'll take that step in faith, God's going to give you another step to take. I want you to note that Elijah stayed right where God told him to. And when, he, and when the brook dried up, look at verse 8 and 9. Go on down just a little bit further. The brook has dried up now. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belonged unto Sidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. There, there's some things about that that's kind of scary. And, and so it is in the life of faith. You know where he told him to go to? To Zarephath, which is in Sidon. That was Jezebel's backyard. Ahab and Jezebel had sworn to kill him. But God tells him, you go to Zidon. Say, what? Lord, you want me to go where? Are you kidding? It kind of reminds me about back in the Garden of Eden, right? Whenever Satan came to Adam and Eve, he tried to distort and turn the word of God around on them. Are you sure that's what God said? You know, sometimes we think in our head, you know, God, are you really sure? Maybe I need to reread that. No, it's pretty clear. Pretty clear. Elijah went when God told him, and he stayed right where God told him to stay until he got further instructions to leave. Sometimes we get in those big hurries, though, and we think, well, I know more than God. And, you know, if God really loved me like he said he loved me, uh, he would let me do that. Or he would give me this or give me that. If we're going to be Elijah's of God, we've got to learn that faith is one step at a time. That we trust God and we take that step. And then we learn our steps must be in accordance with the word of God. Let me give you an example of another man's faith. And we've all studied and, and read about Abraham, hadn't we? Sure, Abraham's called the father of the faithful. In Romans chapter 4 and verse number 12, this teaches us that we must walk in the steps of faith that our father Abraham walked. Well, what were those, those steps that he took? Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1, the Bible opens with these words, And God said unto Abraham, Get thee from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Pretty simple statement. Until you really look at it, God had told Abraham to leave everything he knew behind. Leave his father's house. Leave all his possessions, all these things. Just leave them. And go to a land that I'll show you. Well, if I'm not mistaken, God didn't say to Abraham, now Abraham, when you leave Ur the Chaldeans, that's where he called him from, he says, I want you to go 10 miles down the road and hang a left. And when you hang that left, you're going to see a couple of ponds over here and a big tree. You, you take your left right there and you go down about two or three miles and then you take a right no, that's not what he said. God just called Abraham and said, go. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 that Abraham went not knowing where he was going. 
That's faith. God tells you, you do it. Even though all of your human reasoning and all of the things that you can put together, logically thinking, and this little pea brain of mine says no, God says yes. That's faith. That's faith. That's what the kind of faith that Elijah had. Think about it. God told Elijah to go and hide himself by a brook, the name Cherith. The name Cherith means a little, little crackling, girdling stream that come up. It wasn't a big, wide river. It was just a little stream. And he says, go there, and the ravens are going to feed you. Ravens? Those are birds of prey. Man, I'd have felt better if you'd have said the doves was going to feed me. I mean, that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? No, he said, ravens are going to feed you. They're going to bring you bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh at night. He said, you're going to drink of the brook, and you're going to eat for what the ravens bring you. Man, that doesn't make sense, does it? Sometimes we have an illogical faith, though. You know, sometimes God tells us, if you want to get ahead in this life, you've got to abase yourself. You've got to get low. If you want to be a leader, you need to be a servant. We have an illogical faith, folks. That's why it's faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And, and then, the second thing. The second thing God did to mature Elijah's faith. Verse 3 said, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself. Hide yourself. Hmm. You know, I thought that, you know, if you got enough faith, you stand out there. You know, you're, you're like a, you're bold. Well, here it says that God told Elijah to hide himself. Living a life of faith. Listen to me. I used to read some commentaries by the name of an old preacher. His name was B.B. Caldwell. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of B.B. Caldwell or not, but uh, B.B. Caldwell said in one of his commentaries that the loneliest, the man of faith is probably the lonely man or woman. You know why? Because the world's going one way, you're going the other. When you stand and proclaim truth, truth of the gospel, you're going in direct opposite of what the world's going. Not only that, you have to spend time alone with God. Isaiah 51 and verse 2, the Bible says that, it, that God called Abraham alone. Alone. There's three reasons God told Elijah to hide himself. Well, number one is protection of the prophet. Ahab and Jezebel, as you know, had sworn it's going to kill him. And you know there's a fine line between tempting God and trusting God. Let's think about this for a minute. Uh, Matthew 4. Our Lord has, has fasted for 40 days and nights. No food, no water. Satan comes to him and he tries to start tempting him. 
He carries him up to the various high point of the temple, the pinnacle, if you will. And he takes him up there. He says, you look around about you. Cast yourself down. Because the Bible says he's given his angels charge concerning you. If, if, even if you dash your foot against the ground, they'll, they'll take you up. Our Lord tells him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know, I could say that I've got enough trust and faith in the Lord that I could go right out these doors and lay right in the middle of that road right out there and lay down and say, I've got so much faith and trust in the Lord that he ain't going to let nothing happen to me. You know what that would prove? It proved I was a fool. The Bible teaches me that I'm not supposed to tempt the Lord my God. And there's a fine line, folks, between trusting and tempting. Elijah trusted him. Elijah trusted him. God told him to go hide. That's what he did. The second reason that God told Elijah to go hide himself is this. There was two famines going on in the land at that time. Remember there was a famine of water. It hadn't rained in about three and a half years, according to the word of the Lord. But there was a penalty against the people. A penalty against the people. Uh, flip over, if you want, or you can take my word for it. I'm going to flip over to the book of Amos. And I'm going to tell you about another famine that's in our land today. Another famine that's in our land today. It's in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor of thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from north even to the east. They shall run to, fro, seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. One of God's judgments upon the world is a hiding of his prophets. People who proclaim truth. That's one of the reasons that I believe that God is judging this country in which we live in today. He's judging America with a famine of the truth of the word of God. Oh, you can turn on your TV. You can flip on your radio. There's people preaching everywhere. There's not a famine of these goober-headed soul winners out here preaching whatever they want to, but you listen to the true man of God proclaim the truth of the gospel. It's a famine in this land. And God did that to put a curse on the people. And then there's the preparation of the preachers, the third reason that God hid him. <clears throat> After three and a half years, God told Elijah to resurface and to go speak to Ahab. It took only a little time for him to deliver his message. If you want to be Elijah's of God this morning, if you want to have faith this morning, you've got to spend time alone with God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 tells us that we're to go into our closets, into that private place of prayer. Matthew 14 and verse 23, our Lord himself spent time alone with his father in prayer. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. 
Isaac, you know, I've always wanted to preach a sermon or a series. That'd be great. Series of sermons on the life of Isaac. You know, we're not told a whole lot about Isaac other than the fact that he was a man of meditation. Men and women of faith spend time alone with God in prayer, in study, in meditation. You want to be an Elijah of God? That's something you need. Time alone with God. And then, the third thing, my last point. Yeah. The third way God matures Elijah's faith is God taught him to be dependent totally on him. Totally on him. Listen to verses 4, 5, and 6 of 1 Kings chapter 17. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank unto the brook, drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah, like I told you, the brook Cherith, just a little gurgling, crackling stream that come up. When the large river, the birds that he sent to feed him weren't, had nothing to do with what we would call the spiritual realm of things. But you know what Elijah had learned? And I think it's a lesson that we all need to learn. That lesson is this. We need to learn to look more at the blessor instead of the blessing. We need to remember where our blessings come from. We need to remember that just because things may be going hunky-dory in home, that we're blessed of God. And in the same token, if things are going haywire at your house, if your circumstances are, are questionable, that does not mean that God is against you. It could mean that God is preparing you for the next step. See, we look at things like most of the world looks at things. Well, if everything's good, car's running fine, got food at the house, got money in the bank, got a little savings put aside. Oh, God is so good, and he's blessed me so much. But then on the other hand, we say, you know, when we walk outside getting ready to go to work, you're already late because you overslept, and that just messes your whole day up to begin with, right? You walk outside, you got a flat tire. You fix the flat, you get in the car, the car won't start. You get somebody to jump the car off, you speed to work, you get a speeding ticket. The devil has been all over me today. We give the devil so much credit in our spiritual lives I want you to know something this morning, child of God. The devil is no more than an errand boy in the hands of an almighty God. And he can let nothing, he'll let nothing get to you without his permission. Romans 8, 28, folks, it's still there. Last time I looked this morning when I read it, and we know that all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 39, which we fail to 
quote sometimes that says, for who he foreknew, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. You know what he's doing in you? He's making you more like his son. That's the goal. To make me and you more like Jesus Christ every day that we live. So Elijah had learned to look, and we need to learn to look more at our blesser than the blessings. He learned not to look at the brook because it dried up. He learned not to look at the birds. They were birds of prey. They were ravens. He says in verse 4, he says, I'll feed you. I'll take care of you. There. I want you to notice that word there. He said, I'll feed you there. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you there? Wherever there is in your life, wherever that there is, that sounded kind of country, didn't it? That there. But think about that for a minute. If you're not there, you're missing blessings and blessings. If you're not there, your faith is not growing. If you're not there, you're not being used fully of God. Ask yourself that question this morning. Where is your there with God? Where are you supposed to be? Where is there? When Elijah got there, God took care of him. He fed him. He provided for him. Gave him everything that he needed. But if you're not there, today is the day to get there. Elijah's a man of faith. Do you want that kind of faith? 2 Kings chapter 2, the Bible says, after Elijah was taken up in the, in the chariot, the other prophet's name was Elisha. Elisha said, man, I'd like to have a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, well, if you see the Lord take me up, he says, you can have it because I'll throw my mantle down and it will cover you. Elisha makes a statement as he sees Elijah going up into heaven with that fiery chariot, and that mantle comes down. He says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Folks, we asked that question today, but i got to ask you a question. Not only where is the Lord God of Elijah, but where are the Elijahs of God? Where is your faith today? Is it where are you there? If you're not, if you're not, Jesus says come. You may have something you'd like to pray about this, this morning. You'd like to come forward for prayer. Maybe it's because if your faith is weak. Maybe because you're not there. Right now we're going to give you an opportunity to come and pray. We'll pray with you if you like. There'll be somebody that will meet and pray with you. I promise you that. But is this the day you said in your heart, you said it in your mind, and you settled it, I want to be there. I want to have stronger faith. I want to start looking more at the blesser than the blessings around me. Jared, please come.